At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, today's guest is so important that I actually got up early <laughs> at his request to, yeah. to have him on. Just So if I feel a little sluggish or a little punchy, we don't know. It could, could be either of those. I, I uh, sensed up just a little bit of disappointment in your in your your texting when I asked you to do it at nine a.m. So <laughs> that's just funny. That's the 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 point of texting is to not display any any emotion. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, well I, I totally get it. But um. Yeah. Well. Well. I don't really. I don't really have an excuse anymore either. Uh. Because. I mean, I'm still on NBA time. That's like how I naturally am. But it's oh, not yeah. like I can't claim it like, oh, yeah, you know, I was up late last night because I had to record. <laughs> right. uh, no, it's just like this is, a, you know, I, I could deviate from my normal schedule by like an hour. So that's uh, that's think, no problem. You have, you have a lot more responsibilities than I do. Uh, yeah, I was going to say there's two types of people during this quarantine, those with kids and those without. So you are you are in the without category and I am in the with category. Yeah, and let me tell you, I'm in a real hurry to change that. <laughs> so, uh, all, all of my kid friends, like, you know, Ethan Strauss, like, oh yeah, your your life don't, won't have any doesn't have any meaning without kids, and like, <laughs> it, and I'm like, oh well, let's uh, yeah, get back to me on that one when when this uh, this crisis is over. That's funny. Um, well, all right. So this is if this is your first time listening to this, we're trying to do a couple of these uh, a week. This is our, our second one. We had Anthony Slater on last week. Uh, Adam covers the Nuggets for a, a number of different outlets. Um, you want to take us through that real quick? Well, really, just two. Um, you know, Locked On Nuggets, which I host. Two, two is a number. Two is a number. <laughs> Locked On Nuggets, which I host the uh, podcast, daily podcast, and then um, a, a new outlet here in Denver called DNVR, where we cover all sports. But I obviously cover the uh, the Nuggets beat there. Yeah, and we were talking about this just before the show. It, it was rotten timing, but you and uh, your partners had this awesome idea of basically uh, starting a sports bar that is uh, themed uh, essentially like you're having your <laughs> podcast studio there. People can yeah. like go and watch live podcast recordings and you know get a community together to watch uh, Denver sports. So uh, yeah, I mean, but you, I'm not going to tell people to go there right now. But I was I was really excited <laughs> to check it out. Uh, you know it. What did you guys open like? Uh, we March? opened Friday the thirteenth, so the oh. NBA NBA ended on on the eleventh, and bars were closed down on the Sunday, the following Sunday. So I always say we were we were open for forty eight hours. 
and and actually, I haven't even visited the bar yet. I've I've been there before. You know, the construction was final, but they did a lot in the last two or three days, and I I so I have yet to see it with all of our branding and decorations and everything up. All right. Well, when this is over and you want to watch some sports and it's safe, please uh, go check that out if you're in the Denver area. I I was really looking forward to stepping our uh see i can't talk this early anymore, but it's all right it's it's worth it uh to checking it out once uh, i was back in denver so uh what we're trying to do here is take this opportunity to kind of check in on uh, do a season review maybe talk a little bit about what the a nuggets playoff run could look like uh, as well but we usually were so focused on next season this gives us a chance to look back uh, on what happened this season so let's start with this question adam give this nuggets team a grade overall for their season to date hmm i i would it's so tough and i'm sure everybody that you've had on so far has said the exact same thing because the real grade is incomplete um but if we were to make the season no no i had i had i had slater on with the warriors <laughs> so uh oh okay <laughs> his, he was he was uh the warrior season seemed yeah pretty complete <laughs> yeah that was pretty complete right <laughs> Um, no, but I mean, I would I would give the Nuggets like a C plus, and I think this was okay. ma- this that's their lowest grade of the last four years. You know, it's been this they were in that rebuilding, climbing phase, and then last year they sort of arrived at the. The, the, the doorstep of contention and then this was a year that I feel like was a bit of a plateau but the reason I, I even hesitate to say that is if we would have ended the season on say February 5th I, the Nuggets would probably would have gotten an A minus or you know a really high grade because there were so many positive developments and if you stopped it at that exact moment it was on sort of an upswing um, you, they stopped it at what I consider to be sort of the low point of the season. And so you have that lingering sort of sense uh, uh, about the team that I, I'm not sure if that's fair, though. Another six weeks of the season, the, plenty of time for them to sort of go back on an upswing and, and, and start to look promising and to come together again. So, um, But there were enough things that happened that I think either set the team back or plateaued them or were just frustrating that, to me, C-plus seems, seems pretty fair. Interesting. Yeah, for, for- for me, it really a lot of it depends on whether they're on pace per 538 for a 53 and 29 record, 43 and 22 when the hiatus happened. And for me, a big part of it that controlled the narrative uh, throughout the season was just that I, I thought they were a little bit lucky overall. Uh, they were number one in the NBA, 4.4 more wins than expected per cleaning the glass. Uh, their expected wins were only 49 and i think that's something that would be looked at as a disappointment and sure. then not only and clean the glass that's only based on their point differential they also to me had some a fair amount of shooting luck in terms of their defense especially early in the season when they were you know, in the top five defensively but it, that still hadn't quite normalized out yet and so really if, if that uh, had gotten back to where you would expect you know this is kind of 47 48 win team in terms of what i think their true quality on the court was and that's a little bit of a disappointment to me in particular i would say that being number 10 in offense w- was a disappointment yeah. to me and so but on the other hand you had this team that was on pace to be the second seed in the west for a while so superficially i think they looked a lot better than uh where they've been and and for me i would probably say like a c minus and that's because my grading by the way i you know a c is average you know it's not like yeah. business school i always say so i, I would try to normally distribute all of the grades for the teams in the league and so i think 
relative to my expectations, I thought they're slightly below where I thought they would be. Well, first of all, the grading scale is always funny to me because you could really tell, like, if you give somebody a C, people will be like, oh, man, why? They weren't very good. And you say, oh, no, that's average. So I think everybody, it is important to sort of calibrate what grades mean because um, C plus, C minus can sound harsh, but I guess we're both just on slightly other sides of the curve in terms of, you know, yeah. you know, sort of in the yeah. middle. But Well, well so, so a C plus, does that imply that there are slightly above your no, expectations no and that's why that's that's kind of why i bring it up is a c plus yeah. to me is um you know it almost it, it's it's sort of a negative grade you know in in from my perspective because um you know the last couple seasons to me have been you know in probably in the a range they've been climbing there've been yeah. developments that have been very positive and you say okay that's the right direction the big stuff has moved in the in the positive yeah. direction I, I mean last year had to have been you know at least like an a a minus right oh say. for sure well, especially you know the, the playoff run they got it good draws and of course all the things that happened at the end of the year but still it was important for them to do what they did last year and I, I thought it was a step in the right direction but I'm going to push back on the idea that they were lucky this season in one way or at least I'm going to throw out the idea I think okay. this is three years in a row now that the Nuggets have been called lucky because of their um, Pythagorean win losses and point differential and close games and at some point I just think it becomes um, a factor of who this team is and maybe even a factor in just who their star player is in Jokic. And yeah, Jokic they, was one of the best clutch players in the league this year. And I, and stuff. last year as well. And I, I just it's become sort of so much of a trend that I I really wonder. Um, you know, some of these teams, you know, the Milwaukee's obviously those are great teams, but it's even like a Dallas where their point differential is through the roof. I just don't know anymore, especially in today's NBA, the way it's played, the variance with the three point shooting. I wonder if those point differentials are as indicative. Um, uh, as maybe they used to be. And, and also just with Denver, I mean, I, I really, this is either three or four years in a row now where it's been the exact same trend. Oh, they're, they sh they're probably four or five wins better than they should have been. I don't know. And it happens over and over again. I, I, I tend to question it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, on the other hand, you would say with 30 teams, you would have a few teams that would sure. have that three, three, you know, it's a, uh, the, the same thing about like picking stocks, right? The, uh, the, the idea that like yeah you know if you have all these investors you're going to have a warren buffett just out of sheer chance not <laughs> right. necessarily that like warren buffett knows exactly what he's doing I mean, that's that's the theory obviously but there's also um, this part of it nate yeah. and that is the you know the close games games decided by five points or yeah. less and every year denver just plays an enormous amount of them and i wonder and, and they have a really good record in them and i wonder if there's just something about the style of play um or the character of their their star players and and their key pieces that that sort of lends itself to that style whereas maybe a Dallas when they win they win big and that's just sort of a character trait of of their style of play so I, I, I don't know I just would think there's at least a little something there that muddies it for for how Denver plays given how consistently they've been in close games over the years and they've been very good in those yeah I give you those sets 3.8 more wins than expected last year going back to the previous season when they lost uh, on the final day of the regular season at the Wolves in, in overtime to not make the playoffs that was 0 0.8 wins more than expected and then 16 17 this is again all all per cleaning the glass denver was actually well below 
uh, where they would have been expected. Negative 3.0 wins. That, that makes sense. But if, if you recall that year, that that year I think you'd throw out because that I don't think Jokic was even starting at the start of that year. So that was that that one may be a little bit noisy. But um, yeah, certainly. So this makes the third year in a row now for them having just being better by at least a game basically, um, and then in two cases three or more games. So. I don't know. I just there's there's something about how they play that um, they're very they're very good down the stretch. They seem to they seem to execute, and they have a player that that is just I, I think very reliable. Not not great, you know. Not not somebody that I think um, like overcomes giant deficits or this or that. But just a player that if you're in it, you know, you're going to have good looks every time down the court. Yeah, I mean, he, and the numbers that he's put up in the clutch this year were really fantastic. Um, so your C plus though aside. Aside from this issue, uh, my personal opinion is that it's it's probably just lucky. The zero point eight, I wouldn't like put a big yeah. big number on there. That you know that's probably close enough to average. I mean, your your uh, median team is probably or uh, no, I shouldn't say that, but like most teams are probably going to be within you know a couple wins either way. And then you know I think just two years in a row that's not enough. It, if it were four years in a row, I might feel differently. Like people always said, the the two teams that really come to mind um i know we're going on a tangent but hey you know we got time for that uh, <laughs> at this point uh memphis and dallas were the teams that really seemed like for years always over performed their point differential and for memphis the idea was like their defense was so good they had tony allen who could lock down right. the opponent's best score and then for dallas it was ha- having dirk having rick carlisle interestingly then dallas as soon as they wanted to start tanking that trend switched around so maybe you could say that it that it was rick carlisle and then minnesota for years and years was always like well worse than uh their point differential although that was through a number of iterations uh, of the team um so I, I don't know. I mean, I always, I, for my personally, I always remember the, probably the greatest clutch team ever, the 73 win Warriors. And then the next year they add Kevin Durant and they won like a bunch fewer games than expected based on their point differential. And, again, and we're like blowing every close. Yeah. Game. Again, I want to point though, just to the, like, I, th- I think it has, it lends itself to this, to something stylistic, because if you look back at just the, like, you know, games played in the clutch, what I know, this isn't the best metric, but over the last two years, Denver has been in the top three, I believe in both in just in terms of games played they are actually yeah. i guess top four so they play a lot of these games and 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 they're winning their net rating in both of them is top 10 i think eight two years ago like two this year um the the thing about it is is i think you know Jokic and Millsap for all the crap Jokic gets about being a defender I think he's he's good at forcing teams into you know maybe their least favorable shots now he doesn't contest those shots very well and if they do beat him you know whatever but you know so I think there's this baseline of okay in the clutch you're gonna get your B minus looks and the Nuggets offense it's not at its best as hot as a lot of the good offenses but I just think you can always get a B plus look so you know, if your defense can always make things kind of hard and your offense can always make things kind of easy, the extremes aren't so high, so you're not going to have a ton of blowout wins. But if you're in the game in the clutch, I just think you all, you have a bit of an advantage. And I guess that's, to me, that's sort of the character of this team. Their their highs are not that high, but they're pretty consistent and they can get really good looks, um, you know, against almost anybody. Yeah, I think there's something to that idea too. That the way they play, there's not a lot of just boring iso ball. They're they're doing they're maybe running closer to their normal offense in the clutch, which uh, right you know, exactly. They're, yeah. And Jokic likes to distribute the ball. Yeah, so I'm not dismissing the, it out of hand. I, I'm uh, I just think that over time, the, the we've seen you know so, yeah. some teams do this for a while, and you know two years of this magnitude is not 
quite enough for me and the other thing you you might say too is you know the three-point shooting is that you know that that's happened two years in a row you know is there something systemic there that's causing them to shoot worse Mm. uh from three um which i I, i'm not sure that there is either there because you know i think the biggest argument that i've seen on that that i buy is well you're forcing more off the dribble threes yeah than you normally would and they you know the nuggets famously give up a lot of threes as well and and, uh all right that's probably enough uh, on that so take a quick break here and then we can uh get back with that this is good so we're on pace for about a two and a half hour podcast based on my outline <laughs> that, you, you cool with that you're you're uh that that's fine with the kids no responsibility. <laughs> that should be fine two and a half to five that's what i blocked out man i just love american giant just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. These things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly and american giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finisher code capspace at checkout please remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that capspace code to let them know you came from us anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfit of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com use the code capspace user in our capspace we talk about all the time here on the program you get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that capspace code to let them know that you came from us okay we're back here with uh adam maris it, we got sidetracked but 
for your C plus grade for this team, what is the reason for that? Why is there any particular individual yeah. performances that stand out? Uh, where did you think they were falling short in terms of what you perhaps hoped they could be? So I happen to think that Denver is not quite a contender now. I don't think that's very controversial out you know outside of like the the diehard Denver people, but I think they're just they're on the doorstep and. When you're that kind of team, you want to figure out, you want more clarity about what direction you know you 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 should be headed in. And to me, that there was two players that were more important for discovering that than anybody, and that was Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. The first, Jamal Murray, I thought he had a pretty disappointing season, um, and not disappointing. I think he had an identical season to his previous year, which is, is at his age, basically his age 22 season. That's a real concern. In fact, if you go back and if you look at his per game numbers and compare them to last year, it, all the way across the board, every single metric is almost identical to the previous one. Um, and then not just statistically, I think also if you look at you know just what did he look like on the court, where was there growth in certain areas and. I, I just don't know that there was. To me, he's the exact same player he was last year. He's only slightly better than he was two seasons ago, and it makes you think, well, maybe this is you know, more or less the type of player he is. Um, so I thought for him that was a bit concerning, especially given that the Nuggets are committed to him on a max contract. The Both the bright spot and sort of one of the reasons this is they got marked down so low, I think Michael Porter Jr. is an incredible talent. Uh, I came into the season with a very open mind on him, and I think for me, I'm already convinced that he has superstar potential, not just star potential, but superstar oh, wow. potential. This, this will be an interesting discussion. I, show the, oh, I can't wait. Um, but he just didn't get a lot of minutes. Um, yeah. And it was, the minutes that he got were incredibly inconsistent. So to me, that was, was a real Was that real justified? Failure. In your mind? I, again, I personally don't think so. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, Nate, because he didn't play really until January. It was the end of December that he started to get in the rotation, and only because there were so many injuries. The Nuggets went through a spell, and basically at the end of the, the calendar year, start of the new year, where they were down three starters. It was just Will Barton and Jokic left. And Michael Porter was forced basically to play. And the Nuggets, I think, over a 16 game stretch went 12 and no, 11 and 5, I, something like that, with Michael Porter basically being the third wheel as Jokic, Barton, and Michael Porter just carrying the team. And it was, he was phenomenal. I think he's a very, I think, low IQ, as, as to be expected of a player that missed as much time as he is, really has a lot to learn in the game. But just his natural ability was just so high that, to, in my mind, you live with those mistakes. Even if it costs you something this year, costs you three or four wins, the the, the trade-off there was just so incredibly high. Um, and at his best, he was the best player on the, on the court multiple times this season, even when he was playing alongside Jokic and Murray. So uh, we can talk a little bit more uh, about where what we see uh, Porter becoming, but you know, I, I think my guess would be, and, and you're, you're around the team more than me, would be that be, that inexperience almost is the reason why his uh, his minutes needed to be kind of held down. They have this deep team; they got to keep everyone happy. He's a rookie, number one, but number two, I'm sure Mike Malone would say, "Hey, we got to cure all of these bad habits that he has uh, right. defensively." Or or shot selection or distribution or whatever you want to look at as ter in terms of his inexperience, especially on a good team like this. 
that the only way you're going to teach him especially because you know he's a little bit of a reputation for kind of being a hard head in that regard and and you know that's what people said in the draft process is that it was all about him and you would think that he certainly has been humbled somewhat being on this team and then uh with the injury and not playing so i i would imagine that if you asked him about it they'd say hey this is this is actually the best for his development not like giving him minutes that we don't necessarily think he's entitled to I think that is almost certainly one of the main factors in the coaching staff and why he was was kept out so much is sort of a you only get one opportunity to sort of once you start giving a player a lot of minutes it's harder to take them back than it is to just kind of slowly make them earn them and, and Malone that was the the line all year was you know making him earn everybody had to earn their spot and the the few times and I think he was referencing players like Nurkic and Moutier two of the failures sort of the the Malone Conley era saying the times that where those guys were just handed the keys Moutier started mm. game one of his career it didn't go well all the players that had to start behind Gary Harris Jamal Murray Nikola Jokic you know all those guys developed and and it, it worked out really well so I think he wanted to take that approach and then the other side you referenced you know he the biggest disappointment for Michael Porter I tried to go into this year with a completely blank slate of course we had talked about him I knew the reputation both good and bad and all these things but I wanted to you know just just completely go in with a blank slate and um you know, I was worried about the shot selection. I thought it was fine. The biggest disappointment to me was he sat on the bench all year last year, but apparently did not really learn the playbook or the defensive schemes and, and terminology and everything else. And to me, that was the the other half of it. Part of it was trying to bring him along slowly and let him learn the right way. But the second part was I think every the coaching staff was very disappointed that he was basically starting from scratch. And even halfway through the season, he was still screwing up plays that they were calling for him. There was a certain amount of plays <laughs> they would have for him. Like, hey, it's an ISO play, and he would be in the wrong spot. And then you could just see Malone call a Fury timeout. So those are the things that I think really just got under Malone's skin and, and really led to him not playing a lot. Yeah, So, uh, but but you're, you're of the opinion, though, that he still should have played more just to kind of get an idea of what, what they had. He only played 670 minutes in all. It's funny because I think this is a, more of a philosophical question about you know process versus talent and, and where that balance is. And for me, I look at him and I say, in my mind, this guy is an incredibly efficient high-volume scorer. That's, that's just who he is. That's his, that's his talent. Um, super athletic, great rebounder, had this incredible size and length. And I, I look at him and I go, he walks in, he falls into 15 points when he plays 20 minutes per game. He just accidentally gets 15 points. And yeah. he has all of this upside. And I think, look, there's some players, if they're not that good, that process is more important. But for him, I, I, a player like him, in my mind, you need him to pan out if you think that if the Denver Nuggets are ever going to really grow into anything. And you just have, to me, the 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 leash has to just be a lot longer. Yeah, I, I, you know, that's uh, that makes some sense. I mean, I think there's probably also a component of it too that, uh, you know, they need to figure out what they have in Jeremy Grant. I mean, he's, yeah. you'd agree with me, his best position is power forward, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, and so, you know, they got Paul Millsap, who's still one of the best on-off differential players in the NBA. He missed a bunch of time with the, that knee injury, and it seems like they want to just kind of hold him down around 25 minutes a game now just for his own for his own health. But then they traded a first-round pick for Jeremy Grant to, as well. Um, you mentioned Porter's great potential. What do you see him becoming if he were to evolve into the star that uh, many believe that he can be? What does that player look like? 
Yeah, so I'm really obviously high on Jokic, as everybody knows. I'm lower, I think, on most of the other Nuggets players, but MPJ is this the other the other guy that I look at, and I think I'm I'm really really high on him. So my answers will be pretty out of the box and wide ranging. Um, I, I I think he has a potential just to be a 25 to 30 point per game scorer, a fantastic three point shooter. I think he'll always have a little bit of gunner in him, but he's less so than I thought. I, that was a much bigger concern just based on his reputation than what I saw this year that could change. I think he was trying really hard not to just take a shot every time he touched the ball. So it, it yep. worked out, but maybe as time goes on that he, he cares less about that. But he just a, a phenomenal scorer, offensive rebounding, super athletic. Um, his footwork is pretty robust. Uh, you know, he has a couple moves, but it, it's one of those things where I just look at him and I go, he can. He's so effective, even against good defenders. I mean, there were games where he got it going, where opponents would put their best perimeter defender on him, and he would still, you know, still get by them or shoot over them. So I think he's a guy that's going to be just one of those unguardable scoring, um, unguardable scorers, especially when he has it going. The name that comes to mind for me is a more athletic Rashard Lewis, if Mm. in the the best outcome for him. You know, maybe not amazing putting the ball on the floor, but you know, still a a strong right-handed driver, a little more pop around the rim than Lewis. You know, but kind of Lewis played a lot of that ISO game when he was in Seattle. Then he was he was more of a stretch four, not amazing defender in his Orlando days, but he had Dwight Howard behind him, so that wasn't as much of a problem. Um, and and then Carmelo is the other one that comes for me again. (laughs) I'm not saying that he is going to be this, and in fact, I have severe reservations about it. But I think those are the two that kind of come to mind but your hope would be that he could be a little bit better defensively than those guys i don't like him that much moving laterally but he's flashed Mm -hmm. some room protection skills uh, but you know again the he doesn't seem that predisposed towards defending uh you know i think that's a, a <laughs> yeah. another reason you mentioned the playbook i think that's the the other thing you know getting through a screen you know, i don't think he can really defend the three that well and, and you know does he have the toughness to play the four that's that's a question and then you know the fit next to Jokic defensively Jokic and Millsap have been so good because Millsap's one of the best defenders at his position I don't know if Porter is ever going to get to being that type of a level has the mentality I do think he has some tools there so um yeah I mean I I think that's what it is you know I don't think his passing is ever going to be like a massive asset but he's just got that ability that sweet jump shot to take a dribble and just rise up over anybody and you wonder too I, I think this about Murray as well whether just a more three-point happy overall offensive approach could really boost his efficiency oh no um, doubt about that yeah a couple so, more things so, about MPJ yeah. though because th- he shot 42 percent from three and as you mentioned I mean he didn't the numbers are going to be tough just because the total volume isn't there but um yeah but I buy it I mean I've watched the guy shoot in practice I've watched him shoot in scrimmages and, and everything else I mean I that's one piece of his game that I just think would always be there. Um, he's a fantastic three-point shooter, and he's really six ten, maybe even a little bit taller than yeah. that. With a high, you know, he jumps high on his shot and he releases high. It just he's going to be a guy that can always get that shot off against almost any defender. And then the thing that was a pleasant surprise and why I think he can be an efficient scorer, you know, the offensive rebound, he had a lot of putbacks this year and just, you know, second chance points, but he's also a great cutter. Jokic actually called him the best cutter on the team. And of course, in a Jokic offense, Jokic is such a good passer to cutters, but in particular to tall cutters, Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler, you know, received that was a, a big part of 
the offense back in 2017 was if you just got a half step on the defender, Jokic would throw that sort of fade route to your outside hand and you didn't have to have a lot of space. You just had to have just enough for that pass to get through. And he's already developed that with Michael Porter. Whereas if you have a six, seven guy guarding him, you're giving up three inches of space plus a little athleticism. So a half step, that's a a, a nice little fade pass right at the rim and he finishes it. So um, a much better cutter than, than I was expecting. Yeah. And I, I, you mentioned the offensive rebound. I, I didn't have it in my head that it was this high at 9% offensive rebounding. <laughs> pretty good. Now, one thing that I think is a concern is only 15% free throw rate. And mm-hmm. now you might say, hey, you know, like Kevin Durant has talked about this, that, yeah, if you throw it to me in an ISO and you let me go to work, I can, I've got all these tricks that I can use to get to the foul line. And so, you know, he's not, the way that he's scoring, he's still playing a fair amount off of others. You know, you're not necessarily going to draw that many fouls. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see whether whether you can boost that up yeah. or not. So yeah, I I, I think uh, you know obviously there are concerns about his health, the back, his, his knees. Uh, you know that that's not uh, he didn't have the greatest medical reports coming out. There some concerns uh, about his attitude. I think his his athleticism I thought wasn't still quite where it was before the injuries, but it definitely was continuing to get better throughout the season. It, so it really are, peaked yeah. in January when he played a lot of minutes because I'm yeah. with you. He was missing, you know, he wasn't getting above the rim on putbacks or different things in December. But by January when he was playing a lot of minutes, his athleticism really popped. But also to your point about injuries, I, you would expect a guy who missed two years and is going up this level to be shy. He kind of throws himself into traffic in a way that yeah. constantly scares me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's it's good Good that he's uh, has, hasn't been, his, uh, his desire hasn't been quelled by those. Uh, I mean, and I know he, he was like, you know, very excited to get back out there, uh, obviously. Um, yeah. All right, another quick break here, and we'll uh, we'll continue our, our meander through in just a second. Man, it is crazy to think that I've been working with Helix Sleep since 2015. And I think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners. If you've never heard it before, that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom. And there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one-size-fits-all. They found the one formula, the one mattress that was going to work for everyone. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I ordered that mattress. We ended up having to return it because, hey, guess what? Not everyone is the same. And then she did some more research and found Helix Sleep. We took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types. And uh, Helix offers 20 unique mattresses. Everybody sleeps differently. And Helix mattresses are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences. Hot or cold, side sleeper, back sleeper. So take that Helix sleep quiz. Find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And it's shipped straight to your door, free of charge. It's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home. You're like, well, how should I order this if I can't sleep? I'm like, yeah, you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do I take my shoes off? Do I leave my shoes on? But then my feet kind of hang off the bed because I don't want to put my shoes on the bed. And is it weird that I'm laying here for more than 30 seconds? You can't tell anything under those circumstances. You might as well just order it, get it sent to your house. Get that 100-night trial, their 10 to 15-year warranty, depending on the model. 
And there's never been a better time to try a Helix Sleep mattress because they are offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace. Easy to slash capspace. We talk about all the time here on the program. That's helixsleep.com slash capspace. This is their best offer yet. I can attest to that since I've been working with them for nine years. And it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Don't forget that slash capspace URL to let them know that you came from us. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. So are you, do you feel like, oh, he should just be straight up untouchable? Obviously, every team says that about their their good young players. But it, it, is that your feeling? Or would you would you be willing to move him for, not necessarily this specific player, but a player along the lines of like a Drew Holiday sort of player? I wouldn't for a Drew Holiday, but it's not, it, it's one of those things where, I don't know that that's like bad value. It's just that does Drew Holiday make the Denver Nuggets a contender? I mean, are the Nuggets going toe to toe with the Lakers and Bucks if they have Drew Holiday in his place? To to me, I just don't think so. So, um, so I would not. But it's not to say that he's. I don't think Michael Porter is untouchable because of that injury risk. Um, that it's just so high that maybe you do take a player that that is less of a risk. But, um, but to me, there's not probably not going to be. A match for what he what his upside is versus what his market value is yeah yeah i mean you know the the package that makes a lot of sense for a lot of people is gary harris for the salary matching and porter for some kind of a an established star um that that kind of seems to be the thought um I right, let's take, take you through a little bit more of my questions here. Biggest things that the Denver Nuggets learned about themselves this year that, that we haven't hit on already. Man, this one, this one's really tough. I think, and again, the the thing that defines the season was it being so incomplete. So. I feel like if there was one thing I would say about this this year is that I don't feel like we learned enough about the Nuggets, and that's yeah. that's the harsh reality, the truth of it. Um, for me, I'm, I've been lower on Jamal Murray than most people, especially here locally, and the fact that he just sort of flatlined the way that he did, and the fact that the Nuggets were just as good without it. They missed him for a whole three weeks or something like that, four weeks, and didn't skip a beat. In fact, they played some of their best basketball. To me, that's really concerning. I wouldn't say we know Jamal Murray is not going to be a, you know a star caliber player or you know we don't know he's never going to grow into that max but for me I mean I would I would feel pretty comfortable betting against that and I I would have bet against it going into the season but I feel even more sort of strongly about that having seen three quarters of a season now with him yeah and you know what I mean I was higher on Murray than anyone when he was drafted I mean he still looks like a great pick uh, at at number seven yeah but and you know I think I I was higher on him uh, than a lot of people a lot of the way I was like no this guy is going to be really good just watch like when he wasn't playing early on in his career and then I was like what they gave him a no-brainer max on like (laughs) on, on July 1st like yeah. That's that uh, that that seems it, it, it's funny how often this cycle will happen where it, guys will get drafted i'm really high on them and then public opinion will, will catch up to me and then do this freight train going right past where i am and i'm like <laughs> okay i like i like the guy but like right. calm down a little bit here yeah. like uh and, and you know, i thought you know he 
there are really like two narratives that you could have about Murray, right? One is, hey, he's only 22. He got a little bit more efficient again this year. His finishing was a lot better. Even, you know, he's been more efficient, even though his three-point shooting has been worse this year. And, you know, maybe that's an outlier that it's gone down from... 37 to 34%. Um, and also, you know, this isn't like that wide open of an offense. He's playing with the traditional power forward most of the time. So his drive game isn't that good. You know, he doesn't get that much of a chance to do pick and roll. And, you know, he could still get a lot better. That's one school thought. The other one is, well, you know, he just because he's the only guy in the perimeter who's able to do much a lot of the time with this team, he gets all these shots, he gets all this exposure. And, you know, he'd just be a guy on some other team if he weren't playing with Jokic. Yeah, I don't. I'm probably somewhere in between those two because I'm not that yeah, low on him. I, I do think he's a really good player. It's just when you hand a guy, and some of this is the contract, when you hand a guy a max, and especially when you're in a market like Denver that's probably not going to get one of your top two or three players via free agency, that means you got to be certain of the guys that, that you choose to build around, and you kind of locked yourself into Murray and Jokic and um, – you know, I just like I said, I'm betting against him. The other thing is, three years in a row now where he's taking five and a half three point attempts per game. There's no reason, in my opinion, there's no reason for that other than he he really struggles to get his shot off. He has sort of like the, a the being that it should be more. It should be a lot more, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, he should be up at least seven, eight, nine per game. If you look at a lot of the elite point guards of his mold, yeah. the Damian Lillards, um, you know, those yeah. the, the, he they get their shots up, they get their three point shots up. He seems to really struggle with that, and he seems really, really comfortable comfortable coming off of the the high pick and roll stepping right into the free throw line or slightly outside the free throw line and pulling up and to me it's it's now that you're in three years of this it's more of a habit at this point than just like oh he'll grow into it Uh, how much of that do you think is coaching philosophy man that's a great great question um yeah, I, I I really can't. I don't know that it's Malone saying, "Oh, I don't want three pointers" or anything like that. But it, you do wonder if uh, if it should just be emphasized with him more. If it's something you look at him and you say, "Okay, if we're ever going to be great, we need you taking seven or eight three pointers a game or more, and we need you shooting thirty seven percent on those. You need to be a threat to draw that defense out." Because when Jokic is rolling downhill towards the basket in the pick and roll, he receives the pocket pass in the pick and roll. I mean, that's the best one of the best offenses in all of all of the NBA. Jokic going four on three is is just a guaranteed open shot and uh it just doesn't happen as much because teams will sag off of murray knowing he's not going to take the three yeah so i mean why i loved him so much he shot 40 percent on threes at kentucky he was coming off of screens i was like man this guy you know if he shoots the ball like this in the pros on this type of volume you know he could be not steph curry but like a steph curry light and we just the, the yeah. ball hasn't gone in as much for him, and he hasn't had the volume as you said. Yeah, and you look at him like on his hot streaks. Of which, when I say a hot streak, I mean he'll have 10, 15 game runs where that's what he looks like. This, the attempts go up to six or seven, and he's shooting forty percent on those. And you just think like, wow, okay, there's something there. But it, it's all the word on him last year was inconsistency, and I think it's the exact same word again this year. If you look at his three point percentage by month, you know, and we're talking at least seven game samples. I'm most of these are 10, 9, 10 games uh, over the month. He's all over the board from well above 40 to below 30. And it's just it's just so hot and cold with him. All right. This is a, it'll be a good one then, especially since you, you said everything was so incomplete. What are the biggest questions about this team that are still unanswered? I mean, I guess the, both in the short term and perhaps in the long term. Well, we, we touched on a lot, and, and I, I don't want to be repetitive. I just touch on these, but Murray, can he be the second option? And M- yeah. Michael Porter, can he handle regular minutes? 
because as much as I'm sold on his talent, the the health stuff and just he can he play 30 minutes per game for I don't know more than 10 games in a row. That's that's a really huge question. I think um, what Paul Mel- Millsap is going forward is a real interesting question. I think we'll talk about him in some of the sections later on, but he's been a huge part of Denver's success over the last three years, and he's really starting to show I think some some signs of of just his age, and so maybe he's not you know a core piece of this team going forward. And then three point shooting. I mean Gary Harris in particular, but um, do they have enough three point shooters? Or to your point, is there something about their style? or coaching or something that is making it so that all of their three-point shooters are just shooting worse than what they actually are. Gary Harris this season was really bad as a three-point shooter. Um, and, and again, I don't know if that's because he's just not a good three-point shooter or if something has happened that, that's making them more predictable where their shots come from. Yeah, that's a, a big one. What would your advice to them be about how to handle the power forward position the mm. rest of the season and then next year? Just to recap quickly, Millsap will be a free agent. Jeremy Grant can opt out of a about 10 million dollars for next year and then you've got porter going into his third season and then and you you can throw in Plumley as well who you know kind of falls into that where yeah. if they didn't re-sign him perhaps they would put they would play grant at center they did that some when uh when Plumley was injured with that ankle the the Jokic Plumley pairing has been really good even this season it didn't get a ton of minutes but it was really good again this year they just destroy teams on the offensive glass probably not a viable playoff thing but um uh, but it works but the reason I brought that up when Paul Millsap arrived three years ago, it took a while for him and Jokic to sort of gel. There was some uncomfortableness there where they even had to have a sit down where Millsap said, hey, this is your team. I'm joining it, whatever. But there was, you know, you have to kind of learn how to play with Jokic. He's different. When Paul, when Mason Plumley arrived and was playing power forward alongside Jokic, same thing. They were terrible. The next year after they'd gotten some reps, they were really good. And then they've, they've only grown from there. I think with Jeremy Grant, the same thing sort of happened this year. There was a point around December where I thought, man, I'm so surprised at how poorly the Jeremy Grant experiment has gone. I thought he was going to be great, and he just hasn't been uh, alongside Jokic. But over the last three months of the season or so, two and a half months, he really started to figure it out, and him and Jokic started to figure each other out. And I think now I'm at a spot where I think, okay, that's probably the power forward of the future, at least for the next season or two. And I think it's a really healthy one. He's a great three-point shooter, at least he has been for the last couple of seasons. He's very willing to stay in his lane and kind of be the role player um, that they need. He's a great on-ball defender. I don't think he's a very good help side defender. I'd say I'm not. he's not bad. I, he's just not like Paul Millsap is as a backside defender, but he's solid. Um, so I think he's a good fit. The only thing he doesn't do well is he doesn't rebound very well, but I think the Nuggets can yeah. make up for that in other areas. Yeah, and Jokic is a great rebounder. They've, they've always and they're, uh, they've always been a good rebounding team. I'm not as worried about that. Yeah. Um, so then going into next year i mean we'll just spend 30 seconds on this here what how many minutes per game would you give to Millsap, grant and porter as a default going into the playoffs well to me porter to me would play as the, the starting small forward so I, I guess he wouldn't be in the power forward conversation so, so you're bringing will barton off the bench you're talking about this season yeah, yeah. Oh, okay yeah, yeah. Oh, okay this play, these play i gotcha i gotcha yeah. um then yeah you probably would end up playing in a playoff series i think Millsap probably is still your guy to play you know 28 minutes or so a game maybe 30 minutes and then the rest of the minutes go to um to jeremy grant you maybe get a little bit of small situational small ball but that's 
you know, if you go small, you're probably playing Michael Porter at that spot. And I just don't know that Michael Malone would trust him to do that. And and unless you got enough reps going into the playoffs, it would really be a high risk, high, you know, high reward situation that probably the risk is higher than the reward at, at, at this stage. But um, um, so, yeah, I would probably play Millsap in, in, the more minutes this season and Grant slightly behind him. Um, but both guys are really impactful in, in a little slightly different ways. Yeah, my guess in the playoffs is that Porter would have a lot of games where he played five minutes in the first half and zero minutes in the second half. Five might even be generous. I mean, <laughs> Malone, I mean, and especially in a playoff series, if he, he's out there for three minutes and, and is messing up, then that that's it. Yeah, or I, I mean, actually, I, I could also see it as they get behind in the series, they're struggling to score, and he's just like, all right, fuck it, we're going to put Porter out there and see if he can shoot us back into it. I could uh, definitely and, see that happening. And, and I could see damn, it working, too. Torpedoes. Yeah, no, yeah, damn the torpedoes uh, <laughs> defensively. and, and uh, um, Okay, and then what would you do in the long term, then, with uh, that front court with those three free agents and Porter going forward? What does it look like? I think Jeremy Grant is your guy. Um, that that's by far the highest priority for that power forward spot. It, just talking about this summer, Millsap to me actually becomes a little bit expendable, and and I love Millsap. I think he has more left to offer, but I I think he's more in an Ig- Andre Iguodala role, probably yeah. fifty five games per year, sixty games, and then in the playoffs you hope you can get you know maybe twenty five minutes per game out of him in a series that really matters, but. You're probably not getting more than ten real playoff games out of him, and and he just becomes more of a situational player. Very good, but he he'll miss a lot of time, a lot of, and his minutes will be low. So you're you're re-signing Grant. Plumlee is gone. Pro- I, I, I actually think you would choose between Plumlee and and Millsap, and it would you would rather have Millsap, but the money would be the point, the sticking point on it. Yeah, I mean that'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, hard to imagine he would have many offers above the mid level exception elsewhere um, at age thirty five. And, and just a, a reminder about the Nuggets finances: they've got about thirty million or so below the luxury tax to re-sign Millsap, Grant, and Plumlee and do anything else that they want to do mm. this summer. So that, that that's how that would have to be distributed. Okay, we're, uh, we're running short on time. We've made it a good... Uh Thirty percent through the outline I had. So let's, These will be let's quick. put it this way: these ones will I, be quick. I, I, yeah, I will. I will tee you up, and we'll just do like thirty seconds okay. on each of these questions. Uh, what is this team's biggest issues going into the playoffs? What's going to keep the coaching staff up at night? Three-point shooting and perimeter defense, um, especially length on the perimeter. So the three-point shooting we've talked about is just very inconsistent. I'd say below average, and then the perimeter defense. Tory Craig and Gary Harris really shut down, can shut down players like Donovan Mitchell and even Russell Westbrook, they've had success. But when you get bigger guys, Paul George, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, even James Harden, they're just way too small for those types of guys. And, and those guys have kind of had their way with Denver. So um, perimeter defense would, and three-point shooting would be the two things. What is this team's biggest long-term need? This is it. You'll be interested with this one. I think it's leadership, and this is another development of this season. I had George Carl on um, the DNVR Nuggets podcast a couple weeks ago, and he really sold me on the idea of a Chris Paul um, as like a piece that Denver needs. 
Jokic is for as great as he is. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a great leader. I I think he gets a bad rap about you know some of his work ethic stuff and his. He's very motivated. He's a hard worker. Um, you know he has certain leadership yeah. by. Exa- I, I, I mean his his first month and a half of the season didn't do him any. Yeah, well, of course, regard. of course. But you know there are there 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 are parts of him that I think you know. Um, you know he's the, can be the best player and this this or that, but I don't think he's ever going to be the leader. I just don't think he has that those traits in him, and I don't think Jamal Murray does either. And I certainly don't think Michael Porter does or will at least for for several years, if ever. And so that's a real void. It's a weird thing, but it's a real void. I think they need some toughness. Um, they need a tough-minded and, and tough leader that is good enough to take on that responsibility. You can't be the ninth guy. You know, it can't be a Jared Dudley or something like that that comes in. They need yeah. they need a top three player that can also be the leader of the team. The biggest positive surprise to you this season about the Nuggets? Uh, Paul Millsap and Jeremy Grant's three-point shooting. Bo- both guys shot the ball really well. And for Millsap, if you, we, we talked about what does the future of his career look like. Well, if he shoots 44% from the three-point line, he probably has four more years in him because this as a stretch four, uh, he's yeah. probably not that good. Even though he shot at volume this year, five threes a game, forty four percent. If he can just be a you know a thirty eight percent or above three point shooter, he probably has a role in this league for for several more years. Biggest disappointment to you this season? Um, <laughs> so it'd be a toss up between Gary Harris, just a general Gary Harris. He's good defensively, but offensively he just I, I I'm t- Nate, I can't tell if I have forgot if I was just wrong about Gary Harris because for two years 2016 17 he was incredible great three point shooter big moments uh, you could put the ball on the floor and the last two years it's like I, I'm I, he just looks like a completely different player so him and then Malone's approach to MPJ which we've discussed um how the hell does Gary Harris only shoot 48 percent on two points he can't I, I there's a couple things here is he's had injuries so he really had was injury plagued last year this year right. dropped a bunch of weight because you know he the coaching staff training staff everybody said well maybe it's because you you play so big you're so big and you attack and this or that and he dropped weight doesn't really get to the rim anymore he shot a lot of floaters doesn't really get to the rim and he's just not elevating you remember he was like a sort yeah. of a highlight finisher two years ago both with dunks and also just with sort of these acrobatic finishes and he just never is in, even in position to do that anymore do you feel better or worse about this team's long-term future now than you did before the season i'd say a little bit worse um maybe maybe the same but in a different way i think looking at this team you thought okay it's murray and Jokic, and then a, a really deep cast of young talent where well you know, Juancho and Gomez, Malik Beasley are gone. Jared Vanderbilt is gone. Um, so they're not really that young anymore. Not like they, at least not yeah. like they were. Um, but Michael Porter, to me, again, the upside for him is even better than what I thought Murray's upside was and is. So I'm lower on Murray. They've depleted a lot of their their arsenal of assets. Um, but they do have this player in Michael Porter that seems very, very promising. So I, I would say either it's the same or slightly less optimistic. I normally would ask the team MVP. In this case, that's so obvious that it's Jokic. Who would you rank second on the Nuggets in their MVP balloting? Well, if it's just this year, it's probably Jamal, and that's a tough yeah. one. I mean, there were times it could have been Will Barton for large stretches of of the season, but um, I think you yeah. still have to give it to to Jamal Murray when he his best is still the second best on the team. Yeah, you might have to. I might even say Will Barton. I mean, he shot it much better this year. I was really worried because he missed all of last year. That was 
supposed to be the good year uh, on that contract right. that he signed but yeah like his defense was really important he, he flashed some playmaking uh you know yeah he would probably i mean certainly the advanced statistics would say that it was it was will barton um yeah but uh it might be will barton to be honest yeah uh also played more minutes than murray but by a little bit um rotation player who struggled the most compared to expectations well that it's definitely gary harris i i actually yeah. predicted he would be the second best player on the team for, or at least be in the conversation for second best player on the team this year i thought well, two seasons ago was an anomaly and he would bounce back and and be on that trajectory he was on for a couple years but that was not the case i mean he just he really struggled um give uh the team's young players a grade for their development this year we'll say 20 24 and under so Murray, I would I would give a, a C minus. Um, you know, he was we talked about him. He's disappointing. Um, Monte Morris, I would give an A. Monte yeah. had a really tough uh, playoffs last year, and you know you didn't know how he would bounce back from that. But I think Monte is just a fantastic backup point guard. The only problem with Monte is his size. I mean, he's just an undersized guy. Uh, really, really not necessarily height and length, but just his weight. He's a small framed guy. But um, he was really solid this year, and whenever he was on the court, which I think was not enough that's part of the storyline here is last year i think he played 24 25 minutes per game this year quite a bit less um but when he but when he did play especially the towards the back half of the season um the, i just felt like the nuggets offense was always going a lot better michael porter um it's so hard but i'd say b plus the talent to me is like again i'm weighing that so much hard uh heavier than everything else but he really in my opinion was as advertised in terms of just raw ability um and then the rest of the players i guess are off the roster now so really surprisingly not that many young players on the nuggets anymore yeah i i guess so that it's uh it's i mean Jokic. this was his age 24 season but it, he's he's kind of fully foreign i don't think we need to talk about him on that i know we're late on uh, time here but i do want to mention yeah. one thing about malik beasley because he was a player that to me really showed the the imprint that Michael Malone has on this team because I think Beasley for all the faults that he has was a fantastic scorer a terrific three-point shooter great athlete um, not a great defender and I think with Malone those things are so important and maybe rightfully so um, but to me he was a player that on many teams would have a much bigger role and just be a guy that you live with some of the negatives I, I think Malone was less willing to live with it with those types of negatives and I fear part of my you know the way I view Michael Michael Porter is my fear is I value the things Michael Porter and Malik Beasley are so great at a lot more than a Michael Malone does. Yeah, and, and Beasley had a disappointing year too. I and mean, he he gave especially early on he gave Malone excuses uh, to not play him. But another guy, man, like what is these guards? Forty two percent from three. Um, I mean that's that, and that's that's one of the things where you see some of that. And you're just like, yeah, maybe these guys shouldn't be taking as many as many two pointers as they are. If you're if you're shooting forty two percent on what's supposed to be a good offense from two, you probably need to be taking less twos. Yeah, at that point, or 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 different twos. Right. Um, and Beasley, you know. I'm sure he was trying to prove himself. He turned down that three-year, $30 million Definitely. extension offer. It looks like that's going to work out for him um, it, it, being in, in Minnesota. Who do you expect to still be a key player on this team two years, two seasons from now? The start of the 21-22 season, after that big summer of 2021, who are going to be the Nuggets' mainstays at that point? So I think Jokic is a lock, and he might be the only lock, to be honest with you, but I think he's a lock. And then when you look at probables, Michael Porter, Jeremy Grant, and Jamal Murray, I think are all all probables. Um, In that order, probably. MPJ we talked about, I think, for one, he's harder to trade anyway. 
anyway, so they're not eager to try to trade him. Jeremy Grant, I think, is finding a fit alongside Jokic in the front court is important, and Grant, I think, checks a lot of those boxes, so he'll be around. And then Murray, I, I have, I just have this weird feeling, Nate, that Murray might not be part of Denver's long-term plans. I don't. There's nothing. This isn't me like saying, "Oh, I, I hear things behind the scenes," and this is my way of saying it. This is just my own personal, you know, gut feeling about it that I don't. I don't know that he's part of the long-term outlook for this team. Yeah, that, it, it's interesting. So you're really you see Porter as more of a three. I do. Yeah, I think he's. I, I, look, he's going to be too slow um, to be the three, and he's going to be way too weak to be a four. But um, I, I think he, I think his most natural spot will be a three. Yeah, the reason, the biggest reason that I would seriously consider trading him, well, number one is the health. Uh, and number two is I really struggle to see how you're going to defend with him and Jokic uh, as it, together in the front court. Uh, you know, you mentioned the issues that he has at the three. And, you know, I mean, he does have some physical skills. Maybe he could get coached up to be like a stopper at the three, but that seems unlikely to me. And then at the four, you know, those just those two guys together. Like, he just has to get so much better. And, and maybe I wouldn't trade him now, but I might consider it at some point if you start to realize, hey, it's not going to work with Porter and Jokic together. Um, so, I don't know. It's it seems that his value porter might be at its highest now because there's just there just seems like he does have that talent but there also are a lot of pathways where things could go wrong and maybe, no and doubt no doubt about are, that yeah for sure yeah, i don't think they are gonna trade him because I, I think part of this is like well yeah if he blossoms somewhere else you're gonna look like an idiot right like but i think that's uh, the risk of holding on to him may be higher than the risk of moving him to me because he just his value to me is more likely than not to decline in terms of trade value uh, obviously he's going to get better on the court but uh and then you throw in the fit with Jokic as well I mean that's the other part of it like whereas I think you know Porter on a team like Orlando or something where he can just go to town yeah. and create some offense for you and they have like so these other defenders with him you know I think he would fit a lot better on a team like that I, I actually love his fit next to Jokic especially offensively I just I, I think those oh, two offensively yeah, yeah. I agree with you yeah. I, I think it's almost in a, a a perfect sort of fit with him but then defensively uh, we can have a little fun here this is we don't have to be super analytical but let me just kind of throw this this out I've always thought that the the final form of this Nuggets team around Jokic is just going to be an enormous amount of length and shooting around Jokic. And look, your yeah. defense individually might not make sense, but if you can put a lot of length out there, you know maybe you can make up for it. And I look at okay, Will Barton, he's pretty long, especially for a two. He's playing a three, but he's really a two. He's long for a two. Michael right. Porter really long for a three. You've got Jeremy Grant, who's really long even for a four, and then you have Bull Bull who. Look, probably nothing, and this is why I say we can just have a little bit of fun with this, but you're talking yeah. about another guy that's just so long and and can shoot and is this really weird and unique talent that I wonder if that's sort of what Denver looks like two or three years from now where it's Jokic and just a ton of length. And none of them can have to be great defensively, but that much link collectively can really clog things and, and make up yeah. for it. They'd be a good candidate to maybe play more zone. With, yeah. the, with with Porter and you know, I mean, Bull Bull. Can you give us like a quick like 20-second update on where he is right now? So he played, I think, about seven or eight games in the G League um, this year, and that was it. Um, I think there was some concern about – you know, building up his body, I think they. I, I think there were some things that showed up that said, "Okay, well, we got to rather than play him a lot of minutes, we just need to make sure that he's not an injury risk. That way, yeah. this summer he can really start his process." Um, so that's where he's at. But I do know, and look, they said this about. 
every team says this about the players nobody's allowed to see, but you know, I've I've only heard positive things about the skill set and, and nothing else, just the skill set that they really really believe in his shot and, and um, you know, his upside as a as a talent. I mean, he absolutely can shoot the ball like 100%. That guy has a really nice shot. I mean, it's a you know, low release and all that, but like when he's open, I trust him to make open shots. And I'm not sure where the rest of it comes in, yeah. but uh yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I like the idea of him to be sure. I thought that was a, a great job by him, by them getting him, and then also to have him on a two-way this year. Two-year, two-way. Yeah. So they have they they they. I guess the lowest risk sort of high-value prospect you can get. Um, the other thing about his, it's not just his shot; it's also his touch. Him and Jokic have the same thing yeah. where they can just throw little left-handed jump hooks or throw the ball at awkward angles, and it always goes in. It's really it's really weird to watch Bol Bol's touch on just weird-looking shots. All right, last thing I'll, we'll get you out of here give me one word to describe this team's season man i i i and you can't use incomplete yeah well and i'm trying to you know what's funny is i'm trying to find like a, a synonym for incomplete because um yeah. it like it's just in limbo you know it, it yeah. the, the the defining characteristic of this season for me was that denver needed to answer some things that they didn't so now I I feel like you know you we, we know this Nate from watching the league for you know years and years that windows and I'm not even talking title windows just growth windows close sometimes without any warning and I don't think Denver's there by any means um, but not getting the data points it, it, we'll see if they get a playoffs but even if they do who knows how meaningful those data points will be not knowing did Jamal Murray step up and go toe to toe with Russell Westbrook in a playoff and like oh okay maybe he's yeah. more there not having that just really kills Denver and. They're going to, in, in a lot of ways, I just feel like they're going to have to guess this summer, as every team will, but for Denver in particular, they're going to have to guess this summer about what they have in, in a way that I have, I, I feel even like I don't know. All right, so you're about 249 words over the questions <laughs> prompt there, but that's okay. That's all right. We're, we're, uh, uh, we're really glad to have you on, Adam. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, once things get back to normal, looking forward to uh, having a, a beverage or two with you uh, at the bar. And uh, Adam, obviously the best. Uh, nuggets podcasting out there as well so thanks man we always appreciate it thank you so much nate everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.